This is an AMI podcast. Welcome back to Outdoors with me, Lawrence Gunther. Ever wonder what woolly mammoths and Iron Man competitors have in common? Well, neither seems to fade over time. Miss Lily's going to tell us all about a recently discovered, perfectly preserved baby woolly mammoth found in the Yukon Territories. And our bucket list is going to focus on the 2022 Ironman competition in Southern Ontario and one serious blind Ironman competitor. I'll share a few tips on triathlon training as someone who's blind. And my reflection has to do with an option I've used on several occasions when crossing the finish line in a triathlon race. Come on, Lewis. That woolly mammoth isn't going to be there forever. Or is it? Getting schooled with Miss Lily. Hello, Lily. Hi. So what sort of odd, always odd, but always fascinating bit of information do you have for us uh, today? Well, okay. Turns out miners in the Yukon have discovered a whole 30,000-year-old mummified baby woolly mammoth. It's only the second one ever found in the world and the first and most complete discovery of its kind. Miners found the near-complete mummified baby woolly mammoth in the Klondike goldfields within Trunjekwek traditional territory. The miners were working on Eureka Creek at the time when they uncovered the frozen woolly mammoth while excavating through the permafrost. Wow, that's amazing. But Lily, what what exactly did they find? Well, the Yukon has a world-renowned fossil record of Ice Age animals. Okay. But mummified remains with skin and hair are rarely unearthed. Ooh. This is the most complete mummified mammoth found in North America. Trunjakuek in elders named the mammoth called Nunchoga, meaning big baby animal in the Khan language. Nunchoga. Have any paleontologists been able to examine the uh, remains? An Ice Age paleontologist who has seen the calf, Nunchuga, said, It has been one of my lifelong dreams to come face to face with a real woolly mammoth. And that dream came true today. Nunchuga is beautiful and one of the most incredible mummified Ice Age animals ever discovered in the world, so I'm excited to get to know her more. What do members of the First Nations community think about this discovery? Uh, Trunjakuek in Elder Peggy Cormandy said, It's amazing. It took my breath away when they removed the tarp. We must all treat it with respect. When that happens, it is going to be powerful and we will heal. I heard that it rained like within an hour after uh, uncovering the, uh, the mammoth and uh, that they, if they hadn't removed it from the pit and covered it, it would have literally washed away. So, Lily, how exactly did the uh, discovery occur? Uh, it was found by a young miner working in Yukon's Eureka Creek, south of Dawson City. He was digging up muck using a front-end loader when he struck the mammoth. Uh, oh, my goodness. He stopped and called his boss, who went to see him right away. Uh, when his boss arrived, he put a stop to the operation on the spot. Within half an hour of the find, the paleontologist received a picture of the discovery, According to the paleontologist, the miner had made the most important discovery in paleontology in North America. So what happened next? Two geologists, one with the Yukon Geological Survey, 
and another with the University of Calgary, were able to drive to the creek and recover the baby woolly mammoth and do a complete geological description and sampling of the site. So what else do we now know about Nunchuga? The initial examination of Nunchuga suggests she is a female and roughly the same size as the 42,000-year-old infant mummy woolith mammoth, Liuba, found in Siberia in 2007. Geologists think Nunchuga died and was frozen in permafrost during the Ice Age, over 30,000 years ago. Nunchuga provides an extremely detailed glimpse into a time when she roamed the Yukon alongside wild horses, cave lions, and giant steppe bison. What's next? In the months to come, Trunjiakuekin and the government of Yukon say they will work together to respectfully preserve and learn more about Nunchuga and share these stories and information with the community of Dawson City, residents of the Yukon, and the global scientific community. Lily, can you describe what she looks like? Like, I know it's a little gruesome, but give it a shot. I mean, she looks like a regular baby elephant, so the same shape as our regular mammoths. Uh, She doesn't have any tusks, but in the picture, she's lying down. Her tail is really, really short. But she has all her four legs, and they're kind of curled inward, and she has a little trunk. Aww. And does she have floppy ears like an elephant? I mean, mammoths do, but you can't see them here. Can you see her eyes? Well, they're kind of just holes. Okay. So you see the skin, and she has fur all over her body? No, she doesn't have fur. No fur? Well, maybe she has a little bit of fur because they found fur on her, but she looks more like an actual elephant than a woolly mammoth. What color is she? No, she's like brownish gray. I guess they'll be looking inside her at some point. Hey, thanks, Lily. Time for the bucket list. Here's my first of a two-part interview with a serious blind Iron Man competitor. And we've got Ryan Van Prate with us. He is a triathlete. He's uh, vision impaired, blind. I don't know. We'll find out. But I wanted to uh, get more information about what does it take to be a triathlete? And, and we'll get in some tips as well and some of the tech uh, he uses for this and, and some highs and lows, maybe some funny stories. Ryan, welcome to Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther, buddy. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So how did you get drawn into this wicked trifecta of doing these three sports? I've done a few half uh, triathlons. I've done a bunch of them, actually, but I've never tackled the big one, you know? So where are you in all this? Yeah, well, I guess currently, as we sit today, I'm, uh, I'm about nine weeks out from Ironman Canada in Penticton, which will be my ninth Ironman attempt and hopefully my eighth finish. So I've been fortunate to finish seven so far and only one uh, DNF do not finish. But uh, yeah, uh, keep doing it. I don't know why I do it, but uh, there's some sort of joy involved in it, I guess. <laughs> Iron Man, you do an Iron Man, Oliver? Okay, do you gotta go walk us through what's a half, what's a full and what's an Iron Man? Like give us the, give us a breakdown on this. Yeah, so triathlon is broken up into lots of different distances, kind of like running races. So uh, um, there's a tri tri which is super short. Uh, and then there's a sprint, which is uh, what they do in the Paralympics for, for Paralympic athletes um, with vision loss. And that's 750 meter swim, 20K bike, 5K run. That's a sprint, yeah, right? Then, okay. That's, that's a what sprint. I do. 
Yeah. And then there's what's called an Olympic distance or international distance, 1500 meter swim, 40 K bike, 10 K run. Uh, there's long course, which is sort of in between. Then a half is a technically a 1900 meter swim, a 90 kilometer bike, and then a half marathon, which is 21.1 kilometers. And then an Ironman um, is the, essentially the granddaddy of them all. You can go longer into ultra, but Ironman is kind of the, the main show, I, I, I would say, is a uh, 3.8 kilometer swim, a 180 kilometer bike ride, and the marathon, which is 42.2 kilometers. Uh, what, how long does it take you to do that? Um, not counting my DNF, uh, I, I've been anywhere from 11 hours and 8 minutes to 13 hours and 16 minutes. They, the pros finish in you know, just under 8 hours, and you're given 17 hours to finish. So I'm, I'm top third-ish in, in the overall field of you know, a couple thousand people. Uh, over my career. And I've, I've been doing this for almost 20 years. And 2024 will be my 20th year uh, doing Ironman. Uh, and, but I'm already at 25 years doing triathlon. So it's been over half my life uh, dedicated to this insanity. This is, you're racing against like regular sighted people, right? Yeah. I guess a real quick caveat is the first 10 years of my racing career, I, I was racing, quote unquote, solo right I, I raced all yeah. by myself i had vision loss i was legally blind but it required lots of uh, logistics and different stresses involved and then uh, in 2009 essentially i said you know this is not safe anymore i was crashing my bike uh and so i started racing as a, a para triathlete or as an, as an athlete with a guide and uh yeah honestly the since then it's been far more enjoyable you're everything's a team event it's i call it the ultimate three-legged race uh, you only <laughs> you only get as far and and move as fast as 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 you and your teammate can go and um that's fine over a short distance but you really have to find a person you enjoy spending time with if you're going to do uh you know an iron man and be tied to them essentially all day and you got to find one that can keep up to you how does that work all my guides, honestly, that I race with are, are older than me and they're, uh, they're faster for the most part. I mean, we all ebb and flow in what our, our, our skills are. Um, my, my main guide, my first guide that I found over Facebook of, of all places, um, he used to be sort of a semi-pro uh, age group athlete and uh, it pains me to say it, but he's better than me at all three disciplines. Yeah. Um, but he is now my absolute best friend. I mean, you know, what we've learned and gone through and um, yeah, just absolute best buddies. But some of my guides, like the one I'm training with now, um, or the one who's racing with me in Canada, he's a much better runner than me. Uh, I'm probably a better swimmer and we're pretty close on the bike. And so, you know, it all kind of evens out. And so you, you have to find one that, um, they, don't, they don't have to be better than you at all three, but they have, to, they have to be in the ballpark because triathlon is, you know, it's three sports. So you, uh, you don't have to be incredibly talented at all three. You just have to be decent enough to to get through all three because it's it's kind of the combination that that gets you to the line quickest. So there was all that media attention to that blind person that worked with Google that created that uh, tracking technology that allowed them to run the marathon, the Boston Marathon, by just following the dotted line down the middle of the road, right? Do, yeah. do you see something like that coming into your life at some point? Uh, you know, where you're going to have this technology? I, you know what, I think it's amazing. And I mean, kudos to the, to the folks who, who try it. I don't know if I'm just old and stuck in my ways, but I'm not brave enough. I think there's younger people that are more brave to test that technology. I yeah. do think that is, 
I think it's pretty remarkable. And I think it's, uh, it, it is something to allow that independence of running. Um, but I also do, you know, I also do love the, the camaraderie that comes with, with working with a guide. Um, there's just, there's just something about it where it just makes the sport different than it, than it would be if you were doing it by yourself. But I mean, to me, I'm all about options. And so anything yeah. that can allow me to independently train, I'm all for, um, but I, yeah, I think if, if ever I was cured, if my eye condition was cured, I think I would miss the, uh, the camaraderie of, of racing with a guide, um, especially guides that you're, you know, that are your best buddies. I totally agree. I, I enjoy the uh, camaraderie as well. And it, it, it's just so nice to, you know, you, you train and you train, you hope you're partner's training too and you're at the same yeah. level but it's nice to be a little bit better than your partner you know in terms <laughs> of endurance anyways because otherwise you're yeah you're just always trying panting trying to keep up and that's that's annoying you want to know of a funny story and i guess that's yeah. probably what i tell folks all the time so my first guide um he's traveled all over the world with me we've done short races we've done ironmans um i honestly say we're not out there racing others we're out there to basically beat each other up right subtly <laughs> we're not saying it but but nothing gives us greater pride than getting to the finish line and knowing that we've made the other one suffer and we uh, we actually keep track right yeah, we're like yeah. okay i think we're i think we're two and two uh you know where i've gotten to the finish line fresher than him and then he's gotten to the finish line fresher than me but yeah but those are the stories that make you laugh for sure yeah it's important isn't it you know it's it's like fishing you know you don't want to get out there and have your butt kicked every time by your partner who just, and then they feel bad and they don't want to fish with you anymore and you don't want to fish with them you yeah nice to have someone that they can beat you a little bit and you can beat them a little bit but yes. you're more or less you know both at the same level because no yes. one comes yeah. back feeling horrible no no and i mean those are funny because it's like okay you you got me this time and you sort of take a little bit we're just weird that way we take a little bit of pride knowing the other one is suffering um but you know but then turnabout's fair play because we know our terms turns coming and you know it's all in good fun and and ultimately you know i just appreciate they're out there you know if they have a bad day uh, it doesn't matter to me because i'm still further down the line than if they weren't there at all i would still be on the couch so um you know, I think it's important to realize our guides feel pressure too. They feel probably more pressure than we do because they don't want to be the one to let us down. But honestly, keeping me alive is the number one thing. And honestly, anything other than that is gravy. I'm just so happy that they're out there and, and taking the time to do it. It doesn't matter, honestly, what happens in the event. It's just, uh, I'm grateful for their time. But I want people to understand it's not a one-way street, right? All mm -hmm. of this is a, is a teamwork. And you mm. you have to understand that the guides feel almost more pressure than us. And I think sometimes people don't understand that. Right. And it's important. They've, they've got feelings too. <laughs> so but you know what, my uh, experience yeah. with good guides is they have to have a little sense of humor because it happens. Yeah. And if they can't laugh about it, they're, they just yep. get, they get too stressed out. They'll never do it again. You have to be a type a bit to do what we do, but I have guides that are way a type and I, I can race with them, but I can't race with them for long because I'm, their attitude, like I try hard, like obviously I've been doing this for 25 years. Like I, I, I'm, I'm a competitor, but I'm more of an inward competitor. I'm not outwardly a type and my, my guide and I, and when I say my guide, he's the one, he's my main guide. He's, mm -hmm. he's my best friend. I have lots of guides, mm -hmm. but our, the way we look at it is like, show up, be prepared, you know, have your mm -hmm. equipment prepared, look like, you know what you're doing. Um, be professional, be approachable, you know, tie yourself together get it done. And then as soon as we're done the race, he unclips and is like, here, go, 
go over to your wife. <laughs> He's like, I'm done being tied to you, right? But it's because you're just like brothers. We don't have to say it. It's the unspoken rule of you're going to try your best. I'm going to try my best. We don't need to pound our chest. We just, it's almost workmanlike. I'm a big believer you, you, you show things through action, not words. My wife calls it the humble brag. We're bragging by doing. You judge on your actions, not your talk. And that's the main thing, isn't it? Right? Like you, you talk, yeah. people can talk a blue streak about anything, but in, yeah. the, in the end, man, if you can't do what you're doing, like you're doing that Iron Man's and, and, and that's pretty intense. Like, holy crap. Yeah. I mean, I, I question my life choices these days. Cause when you, the last one, I, cause I, I packed a whole bunch in when I, when I was cited to do them solo. And then I've done two since uh, being para, cause I spent a stint on the national paratriathlon team and stuff. And, yeah. um, and then now, you know, it's been about six years since my last Ironman and partly too is finding the, like my main guide, he's with family commitments and stuff. So I've found yeah. another buddy who's a little older than me and no kids around anymore. And so you you forget how much it hurts until you start training and now you're doing the training again you're like oh god like mm. you get off a long bike ride and you're thinking there's no way i could go run mm. um mm -hmm. but somehow it all magically sort of comes together and no matter how much you train you can train it doesn't ever get easier you just go faster brian you're my new hero buddy like uh you're 14 levels above me in terms of the you know, i'm on the sprint you're doing iron man buddy uh, good uh, for you and uh keep up you probably have words. just more hobbies than me I, <laughs> I do this and i golf those are kind of the only two things i do and yeah you find your passion right i hope i can do this you know later in life my guide and i we tease each other um that you know because we bicker out there like brothers my goal is to cross the finish line when we're 80 getting in a fist fight just because we're arguing like brothers do <laughs> Right. And, and that's, that would make me the happiest is, uh, is just being able to continue to do this. So that's, yeah, what I'd say to folks, just find what your passion is and, and, and stick with it. Thanks my friend. Yeah. Thank you. It's always fun to, to talk shop. Our next issue of outdoors with Lawrence Gunther will include a detailed examination of Ryan's tips and techniques for training for Ironman competitions, outdoor tips and tech. There are three basic machines found in most all gyms that will help you prepare for triathlon competitions. A treadmill, a stationary bike, and a rowing machine. When running on a treadmill, always raise the elevation a little bit. You want to have a bit of a slant, so you're running uphill a bit. I hit that button twice. It gives me about a 1.5 degree slope. The idea is that by training running up a slight hill, it's a bit harder. You're going to get better muscles, respiratory and circulation system. And when you actually run the race on a flat trail or road, it's going to seem so much easier. When training on a stationary bike, always use the baskets on the pedal. You want to be lifting and pushing with each stroke of your leg, not pushing down and pulling. The pushing down and pulling movements in your leg should be reserved for running. When you run, there's very little resistance to lifting and moving your leg forward, but you can definitely move a bike forward if your feet are clipped into the pedals. So use those muscles, the lifting and pushing muscles, and save your pushing down and pulling muscles for the run. Last, when working on a rowing machine, focus on keeping the speed up, your pace. If you let the resistance fan slow down on every stroke, you're going to have to pull hard to get the fan spinning again. 
you're going to build bigger muscles. You're going to bulk up, but you're not going to get those long lean muscles that you need for swimming. By increasing your pace and moving faster, that fan is going to keep spinning and you're going to get those long lean swimmer muscles. Also, every so often, change the hand grip around. You'll notice it's in a slight V shape. Normally that V is, is upside down. Sometimes flip it over. So your hands are facing up instead of down. This will work other muscles in your arms. Also, you can change the direction you're pulling in. Instead of pulling just towards your stomach, pull towards your chest, pull towards the top of your head, alternate. Again, more movement, more different muscle groups being exercised and more relevant to the actual swimming process. These simple tips will help make sure you give the best possible performance you can do the next time you do a triathlon. When I'm running on a treadmill, I always alternate my hands that I'm holding or touching the treadmill with. I don't actually hold the treadmill because I don't want to be pulling myself forward with my arms. It's unnatural. No one runs while pulling on a rope. But if you just rest a couple fingers on that bar in front of you, you'll know where you are on that treadmill all the time and you'll reduce the chance of stepping off to the side or onto the front or stepping off the back and causing injury to yourself. The other thing it does is it helps you prepare to run with your guide by holding their elbow. This way, you've already trained yourself not to pull with your arm as you're running. And that means when you're running with your partner, you can touch their elbow without actually holding on to their elbow and having them pull you along. No one wants to be pulling around dead weight. Now, something I do at the end of the race, maybe a kilometer before we're coming into that uh, finish line, I'll suggest to my guide, hey, why don't you grab my elbow for a little while and I'll pull you along. And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, I've been hanging on to your elbow and getting a bit of a toe. Why don't we flip it over a bit? You can still guide me just by steering my elbow. Well, they normally do. Now, this has nothing to do with being pulled or pushed or helped along. But what it does do is when we get to that finish line and the spectators, usually there's a bunch of spectators, see me coming in front with my sighted guide hanging onto my elbow, they have no idea who the blind person and who the sighted person is. They just naturally assume it's the guy hanging onto my elbow. It doesn't help that I'm waving to the crowd that's clapping and, and looking left and right and smiling. It just adds to this whole idea that the person on my elbow is the blind one. Now, at the end of the race, my guide comments on that. And I said, well, now you know what it feels like to be, quote, special, quote. I don't want to be treated special. I just want to be treated as a competitor. And uh, I wanted you to have that experience. It's something you wouldn't normally have that opportunity to experience. And it gives you a real understanding of, of how people judge someone based on their ability to see. We all compete against our own limitations. Every one of us, whether you have a classic disability or some other you know, strain or injury or deficiency of some sort or another, very few people are built perfect and have absolutely no deficiencies. So we're all challenging our, our own selves and our own abilities when we take part in these types of races. It's not so much beating the other guy. It's about beating your last time, doing better, trying harder, finishing faster. In my experience doing triathlons, I think the biggest challenge is the start. 
you know, everyone's lined up by the edge of the water and you all rush in, right? It's not a staggered start. It's not, okay, you, okay, you, okay, you go next. No, no. The gun goes off. Everyone runs for the water. Splash, splash, splash. And everyone's trying to get into the swim position as quickly as possible and make time because you don't really make time when you're running through the water it's really slow you're faster swimming so then you have to lie down put your face in the water amongst all these other people that are kicking and flailing with their arms and your only real thought is am i going to get punched or kicked here am i going to get knocked out am i going to get drowned is someone going to swim over top of me there's a lot of anxiety that happens right there at the beginning Uh, quite often i've seen people extracted just you know, within minutes of starting, they just get overwhelmed. They panic. Their anxiety takes over and they put up their arm. A boat comes over. They're pulled out of the water into the boat and their race is over for them. So sometimes if you're not sure, just let the fast ones go ahead of you. As a triathlete tied to a guide, you're probably not going to put in the fastest time anyways against people that are swimming on their own. You're going to do okay, but in my opinion, the swimming is something you just want to get through. If you can come out in the middle of the pack somewhere at the end, that's great, because at least you're in a good standing for the next phase, which is the bike race. But just get your breathing under control. Get your anxiety level down. Walk up to the start of the water. Get in there and take it like a turtle, not like a hare. Just start. That's the toughest thing. Just start. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or visit me at lawrencegunther.com to keep up to date on my blogs and videos. Subscribe to get the latest episodes of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther by visiting your favorite podcast provider. And please take some time to rank us and give us some comments on your podcast provider's site so other people will learn about our new show. Send me your feedback, suggestions, and questions on email at feedback at ami.ca or on Twitter at AMI-audio. I want to thank Nazreen Abdel-Majid, the manager of AMI-audio, Zandi Frank. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.